this. If it's your first time listening to She Is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our mind. To our day one listeners, welcome back. And if you are new here, you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, the Grace Church app, and the Grace Church website. You can also follow us on Instagram at She Is Becoming so we can engage with you and so that you can enter our giveaways and get free stuff. Love mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am your co-host Delaney and I am here in the studios with my co-host Bev. It's finally like so good to see you in person and not just phone calling in for episodes. I agree. I agree. There's nothing like that in-person uh, experience with one another. And um, it's just so great to be doing the podcast. I know. I'm so like glad. this again. I know. It's so nice to yeah. just see There's your There's something face. dynamic about seeing people face-to-face yeah. rather than just over the phone. And I'm sure many listeners have experienced that as well. I agree. Where they long for that face-to-face experience. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, um, Bev, could you briefly share with your sisters what God has been saying to you in the past week? Oof. <laughs> well, oh, <no>. well, um, <laughs> I'm kind of struggling against him a little bit. Um, I'm trying to follow my husband in a particular item as we think about our future, and I find myself resisting it and kind of just planting my will in there in the conversation. And so I'm really kind of having a harder time submitting to what I feel is God's plan with joy. I, I still have some ideas in my head that I just can't quite get rid of, and so it's a process. I'm mm-hmm. I'm in process. You know, as we <laughs> accepting all are. accepting his will and just having peace with it rather than trying to manipulate or, you know, uh push the door open rather than just wait for God's open door. Yeah, that's super real, though. I feel like everyone can relate to that, especially myself. And man, yeah, when God has like clearly laid something out and um, you know that it might take like a sacrifice from you or just maybe something you wouldn't prefer, it's definitely hard to submit to that for sure. It is. It is. Like I said, it's a process. And I'm grateful for the process because I learn and I grow as I go through that process. Amen. I love that. Always learning, always growing. True. So true. Well, let me introduce the topic for today. The title of our episode is What You're Missing from the Gospel. Now, we know the gospel is what a Christian is all about, right? Uh, yes. Yes. It's really, it's what we're all about. But it's kind of a clickbait title because we want to talk about today is that most believers usually have an element of the gospel missing in their understanding. Mm. And so that's the title now. What are you missing from the gospel? I had a good friend share her personal testimony and she realized later she forgot an essential part about the resurrection. So all of us can do that. We can totally. uh, try to communicate the gospel and keep it so simple that we forget to include certain parts of it that are that are really yeah. key. Especially the harder parts. Wouldn't you say like the parts about sin or the parts about hell or wrath? Those are like the ones I feel like we can often shy away from. Truly. And I think we'll go into all of that here today now. Yep. Facts. And why do we even need a full understanding of the gospel? Well, we want to know the gospel and share the gospel according to scripture. Mm-hmm. Obeying the Lord's command, go and make disciples. But... Have we fully grasped the gospel as scripture pictures it? There are some crucial truths about who God is, who we are, that we really need to get right. So we kind of have to settle it in our own mind first. 
and then it, the sharing of it will be guided by the Holy Spirit. So each of us needs to remind ourselves of the gospel each and every day and preach the gospel to ourselves. Yes. Just like what I'm going through now, I have to preach the gospel to me, that God has a plan, that I am his, um, and that, you know, I, I just keep going back to it. And when I'm sinning, I think, okay, God has forgiven this. I can move on and and receive that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy to know the truth contained in the gospel and yet not respond to it ourselves. Yeah. You know, am I forgiving as I've been forgiven? Um, do I accept God's grace when I sin and repent? Which actually, you know what it does? Instead of push me away from God, it actually draws me mm-hmm. in greater love to God. Mm-hmm. So let's start this journey today by defining the gospel. The word gospel means good news. That's simple. So if you were asked to tell someone the gospel, it is it firmly in your mind so you can share it. And so also, very importantly, so you can live it out yeah. daily. So Delaney, I think it would be helpful to go into some detail here with the whys of the gospel. Why is this so important and what's happened in the past that makes it so important? Yeah, yeah. One of the things I'm so excited about for this episode is just how motivating this is going to be. Like for us to share the gospel, getting into these whys, I think is so motivating. It really lights a fire under you to like go and preach it and preach it to yourself. Um, But yeah, one of the things I love about the gospel is its immense complexity complexity and it's perfect simplicity. It's so Mm, complex, but it's so simple at the same time. So to get a fuller understanding of the gospel and the whys, I think we should start really at the beginning. I once heard a teacher say that when you start with the gospel, you have to explain the holiness of God. Otherwise, nothing else really makes sense. So Simply, holiness means perfection. It means blameless without sin. More complexly, holiness describes God's majesty, his glory, his perfection. Um, It means that he is really set apart from everything ordinary because he's extraordinary. Yes. And ethically, because God is holy, anything unholy cannot cannot coexist in his presence. He is separate from all sin. He's separate from unholiness. Anything perverse or anti-holy he's separate from, that is not him. So not only is God holy, but Revelation 4, 8 tells us that he is thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Wow, what a statement. Right, right, three times. So why did our holy God create humans? This is a a question I have wondered about a lot. So Isaiah 43, 6 and 7 says, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. So this is the why for why you're here. Like we are created to bring glory to God. And because he is holy, he is so deserving of it. And Genesis 1 through 3 details God's creation of man. He created the world in five days. um, And then on the sixth day, he created Adam and Eve. And out of all the things that God made, he distinguished the superiority of humans as very good. So humans were created perfect and blameless. They knew no sin and they walked beside God naked and in perfect harmony, fellowship and intimacy. So God did not create sin. It would be inconsistent with his character for him to create sin because the chief end of creation is to glorify him. 
So there was no evil and it was all good. And from the beginning, God's love for mankind was super obvious. It was super apparent. He created them perfectly to walk alongside them and they had everything that he needed. So that's some some wise right there. Yeah, it certainly is. And it really sets the stage for what happens next. All of that good, all of that perfection did not last. So we're going to talk about the fall of mankind. You'll often hear this, the fall of people and all of its implications. So let's go there for a few minutes. God placed a tree in the middle of this beautiful garden. It was the only prohibition. They were not to eat of this particular tree. But Adam and Eve chose to disobey the command of God and they were in this perfect place and they still disobeyed. Mm. They were in communion with God, but they wanted more. Satan presents a temptation, and his temptation was, well, you're going to get smart just like God, and you're going to get all these things that God never intended for them to have. Now they have sinned. They took that um, step of disobedience, and it's going to affect their relationship with the holy God. They became enemies of God with God's wrath upon them. Mm. Oof. What a huge transformation from where they came from, that perfect place in perfect relationship. Yet, this is the kind of God we have, Delaney. God's heart can be seen when he asks Adam and Eve this question. What have you done? Mm. He already knew what they did, but he's giving them an opportunity to confess. Instead, what do they do? They blame each other. They blame the serpent, which is really, ultimately, they're blaming God. Mm. So, Who is this serpent, this mystery guest, unwelcome guest? Well, in Matthew 13, we learn that he's a snatcher of the gospel, that he blinds us to the gospel, and he rules those outside of the gospel. So he is a a God's enemy, Satan, and he is at work trying to undermine what God wants to do for sinners. Their eyes were opened all right. (laughs) That was one of the things the enemy promised here. Open to recognize their own nakedness. And what does that mean? Well, it really pictures sin producing guilt and shame. It's, that's what that's about. Mm-hmm. So they take fig leaf and they try to cover themselves up. And this is what we do with our sin. We try to cover ourselves right. up rather than to go to God because of our shame. We, we feel a push away from God when mm-hmm. actually <clears throat> we should be going to God exactly. for him to cover that nakedness, that shame. The consequences of their sin, sin entered the world, and there was a separation of God and man, severing the relationship. Because, going back to what you said, God is holy, and he he deserves all glory. So, how could this break between God and man be resolved? Well, God, in his love, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only Son, who kept the law perfectly, unlike Adam and Eve. And he did it on our behalf. So he is our new representative. Jesus, Scripture calls him the new Adam. Mm. The first Adam failed, but Jesus did not. Jesus was the Lamb of God, perfect in every way, who shed his blood on the cross so that our sin could be covered. So we can be released from the shame and guilt of sin, and that relationship with God can be restored. Hallelujah. We couldn't do it on our own. Right. It had to be yeah. through Christ and Christ mm-hmm. alone and an act of God's mercy and love toward us. So Delaney, there, there are still a lot of unanswered questions about Satan and what about his, the wrath of God and the subsequent 
threat of hell to those who reject the gospel? Can you go into some of these more challenging topics for yeah, us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just can't even tell you like how many conversations I've had with people that don't believe in hell and don't believe in God's wrath. Like, have you it, experienced this? Yes, it's not, it's not in style right now, right? It's you know, not. It's so, uh, such a, a foreign concept to so many and they, they, they easily reject it without really knowing the truth. Right. And you and you don't understand the gospel if you don't understand what you're being saved from. Exactly. Like Main what's point. the mm-hmm. what is the point of all of this if we're not we don't need to be saved? What's the point of Jesus? What's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like that's why these whys are just so key. But despite um the man severing his relationship with God. Um, God once again showed his love for mankind by giving us a new covenant, a new covenant. So in Genesis 3.15, God says to Satan, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And I want you to notice this language. I will put enmity. So there's deep hostility and opposition between these two groups. Um, The language also really describes like a war, that now there is a war between these two groups. So who is this war between? This verse can sometimes be a little um, challenging. Um, At first in the verse, it seems like the war is between the offspring of the woman, but then it says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the war is between Satan, the serpent, and Jesus. And here are some other scriptures that can confirm this. Um, Romans 16, 20 says, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Hebrews 2, 14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So as the, there is this war between Satan and Jesus. And Genesis three fifteen is really the foreshadowing you know, of this new covenant that Satan um, is going to bruise Christ's heel on the cross, but Jesus is going to crush his head, ultimately. Which is fatal. Yes. Fatal. So Satan is a defeated enemy already, but still has power. Yes. So you are correct. So it's Satan's (laughs) defeated, not destroyed, right? right? So Satan is still around, but he just, you know, he is, he is defeated through Christ. Um, So that's like this new covenant. Um, that's what the Genesis 3.15 is foreshadowing, is foreshadowing really to the cross of Christ. And the gospel. And, mm-hmm. and the gospel, yeah, yeah, for sure. So now the Bible is really also clear about um, this point too, that this is not really, the, this is not the kind of war with like two equal parties, like battling it out. We'll just see who wins. Like, you know how we see the movies and it's like the underdog all of a sudden wins. This is not that. Um, John 14, 30 says, Jesus says Satan has no claim on him. Um, John 12, 31 says that Satan will be cast out. So this, you know, this is not like this thing where it's like Satan has the equal power of God and they're fighting it out and we'll see who wins at the end. Like we already know. Right. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yeah. You know what I look at Satan like? I look at him like a fish that's been caught and taken into the boat and it's flapping it all over. It's like wild and out of control. I really like that. That's that's a picture I have of Satan. He's wild and out of control. Yeah. But 
he's out of the water. Yeah. Christ has already defeated him. Totally. We know his history, his uh, future. And that should comfort us. I mean, we, I think there needs to be like, we need to understand that Satan is still here. Um, he's not completely powerless, um, but he also has no claim on us because he has no claim on Christ. Right. So that should really comfort us. So also throughout the Bible, everything points to this Genesis 3.15 promise, this promise of Jesus rectifying and reconciling our status over and over again in the Bible. We see God's love and his wrath for his people they sin he punishes them then he rescues them and it's just such grace even though we continually sin like throughout the bible like and it's just this cycle but although god is loving kind just righteous and merciful he is also he also has wrath because of the harm that sin does to his beloved creation that's that's a real good point when you define god's wrath why does he have wrath yeah because he loves us yeah and he wants our best so yeah. i love that yeah that's super true so John um, 3.36 says, The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Colossians 3.6 says, For it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And then Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So this is the deserved response for sin. God's wrath. God's wrath is poured out in hell, which is separate from God's mercy and grace. So Jesus says this about hell in Matthew 13, 42, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus also describes um, hell in Mark as an unquenchable fire. Um, with relentless torture and suffering. And it is it is the place where God's wrath is um, poured out on sinners. So maybe, like, sister, you're sitting there and you're thinking, like, isn't that kind of intense? Like, isn't that kind of unfair that God would eternally, or eternally punish someone for sinning on earth? Um, I've also heard, like, this argument against hell that since, like, earth is temporary like why would people get punished eternally like I've heard that argument be made like against hell before and um there's a couple of things that like I would have to say to that I would say if if you feel like this is intense or unfair that maybe you don't hate sin enough like you might not realize the holiness of God and the gravity of your sin enough um and then you might not realize how really undeserved God's grace is to you and then to this other argument that like since um earth is temporary and hell is eternal, like against that argument, I would say one sin against an infinite God deserves infinite punishment. Mm -hmm. So it's not about like where you are on earth. It's about who you're sinning against, if that makes sense. Yes. So I think that kind of like would tear down that argument, which I actually hear a lot. Um, So earlier we talked about the glory of God, that everything God does brings glory to himself. So how does this work with his wrath and with the existence of hell? The full glo- the full glory and full character of God is displayed in heaven and hell. They showcase both the abundance of his mercy and the devastation of his wrath. One without the other leaves you with a fragmentary view of God. And so through Christ's death on the cross, God saves you for himself and from himself. Well, that really helps to to tackle some of those really hard issues as to why we need the gospel, right. why the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. I, I really feel you tackled those so well. Uh, let's talk more, though. If Jesus is fully God, fully man, the second person of the Trinity, 
the mediator between us and God. There is no other. Jesus, he was the only one, not us. He was the only one that could provide that reconciliation with God so we may have a loving, close relationship with God once again. That is the whole purpose. When you read the scripture, uh, Genesis to Revelation, this is the purpose of God. Yeah. He wants to have a relationship with his people. He, he called Abraham. He, he gave them the law. He gave them a land. He, he called them into relationship with him. In the New Testament, Christ comes, and he wants to have people be saved and believe in him so they could come back into that relationship what a beautiful motive from God. Yeah. We need to keep that in the forefront of our mind. He longs to have that relationship with us. Now, Christ lived a holy life, a perfect life. However, Scripture also tells us he was tempted as a man, and he still obeyed. Christ came to earth as sent by the Father to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You remember in the Old Testament, Delaney, where all these sacrifices were being offered up to God as a temporary sacrifice until the Messiah, the Son of God, came, and he would be the ultimate sacrifice. So with sin came death. Back in the garden again, sin brings death. And so Christ took our punishment, our consequence for our disobedience, and paid the death penalty for those who will come to him. This is not just, you know global salvation. This means for those who are willing to come to him and confess him as Lord and Savior. He is the one and only sinless sacrifice that could be our substitute as those lambs represented in the Old Testament. God's justice then and is satisfied for sin. His wrath is diminished and taken away because of this sacrifice. So the truth that ties all this together is the resurrection. Mm. Three days later, after dying on the cross, Christ rose again. The power of the resurrection shows us Jesus' power over death. That was our penalty, our punishment for sin. Instead, he promised eternal life to all who will come to him as Lord and Savior. He demonstrated his power over death. Christ's resurrection is a stamp of approval of God the Father accepting his willing sacrifice so that his people can be forgiven by God's power, mercy, love, and grace as it's displayed in the gospel. Amen. That is beautiful. I love hearing about like the resurrection and Jesus and like this is really what it's all about. Like, you know, this is what it's all about. So I also want to talk a little bit about like more of why we need Jesus, like why he is so crucial to like the gospel. Um 1 John 3, 8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So without Christ, like, we are helpless against sin, against death. Like, we are we are bound for hell. We need to be freed, and that is what Jesus does through the cross and through the resurrection. But so many today reject it. If you can't manufacture these things yourself. Yeah, We're so self-motivated and self-independent and counting that we have the strength to do all these things to make ourselves right with God just by, you know, shoring up what we're doing. No, 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 no. There is no way to get rid of the guilt and the sin apart from Christ. Yeah. And that's, this is just another reason why we, like, why we need Jesus so much. Like, 
We are created to glorify God and we need Christ to actually help us fulfill our purpose and our destiny to glorify him. Like we can't even, we can't even glorify him without Christ. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it just really just takes it off of you. And it just points you back to Jesus. Like Jesus is the linchpin of the gospel. Yes. Without him, we are children of wrath who have no business being in relationship with God. Yet, yet Jesus. Like that's the big, that's the butt. Like that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and so today, sisters, we really just want to like challenge you. Um, we have a couple of like challenges that we just think are going to be really beneficial. But the first one is to preach the gospel to yourself. Like speak truth to yourself about God's character and his love for you. Live out the gospel through loving others and being obedient to God's word. And if there is like a sister listening who has never received Christ, like now is the time. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, now is the time. And so, man, sisters, let's just all, like, in your mind right now, just pray. Like, if you know somebody who needs the gospel, like, just pray for them right now. Like, man, and if, sister, like, you have never received the gospel, like, please DM us on Instagram or, like, comment on this or something. Like, we want to talk to you. We want to walk alongside you. The other challenge that we have is to preach the gospel to others. Like, we challenge you to share the truths of the gospel with people in your sphere of influence. Like, as a Christ follower, this is your charge to go and make disciples of Jesus. So what is the gospel, Delaney? I really feel it is God's love letter. Mm -hmm. We've got to share the love with ourselves, first of all. Receive it ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, be free from that guilt and, and shame of sin and be set free and to live and to have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Um, it starts at home when you share the faith. I agree. It, it, I am asking the listeners I'm asking ourselves, are we sharing the gospel with our own children mm. and grandchildren, my mm -hmm. grandchildren? Yeah. I remember about a year ago, I shared my testimony with the grandchildren sitting in the room. And I, I was very open and transparent and honest with them. I think it's really important to tell our story. So often we kind of hide from our kids. And we don't really get real or transparent. Not that you have to include every rotten thing you've ever right, done. Right. We don't need to go there. But... Till, still, show them your 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 need and what a difference it's made in your life. So yeah. that's really key. But let's pray now, Delaney, um, especially this is such an important topic. Let's pray this into our lives. Heavenly Father, I lift up first of all that listener who may not know you, that she would realize her sin and her shame and her guilt can be taken care of at the cross through Jesus Christ, his atoning death and sacrifice, and then his resurrection that promises us a brand new life with Christ. So today, would that individual admit her sin to you, Lord? Acknowledge she can't do this on her own, and she needs you. And then Holy Spirit, come into her, transform her, and make her brand new. And then for those of us who know Christ and have been walking with Christ, but we're not living out that gospel, Lord. Help us to live out the gospel, to give people the forgiveness we've been forgiven, to count on who we are in Christ, and Lord, to never take our eyes off this central message, the gospel. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming. <laughs>